0: Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of GBB Live. You might be confused because you're not hearing Joe Monax. He is currently on paternity leave as he and his wife will be having their third child, a third baby girl. So thoughts and prayers over to the Molinax family and just best of luck. And it's a really exciting time for him and his, his family. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Molinax. And this is a podcast on the GBB Podcast Network, alongside the Core Four, Three and D Podcast, and the Starting Five Podcast. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading wherever you need to do on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at sb and grizzlies. I am your host Parker Fleming, and with me today is a columnist from the Daily Memphian. He is the host of the Jeff Calkins Show on 92.9 ESPN every weekday morning from 9 to 11. It is none other than Jeff Calkins. Jeff, how are you doing, sir?
1: Well, Parker, I'm I'm happy to be on with you. And I we were just discussing before this thing began that we know each other, not just because we both follow the Grizzlies, but because once upon a time... I wrote about you in a column back when I was the columnist at the commercial appeal. Is mm-hmm. that right? That is
0: right. Yeah. Jeff wrote a column on me after. Was it
1: all on you or was it on the game? So this, I think I just went to the game and you were part of the
0: the two, two on players Q who challenge. beat
1: the ribs in the two on cue challenge. And as I recall, you bombed in a couple of three pointers to emerge uh, with the victory.
0: Yes sir yeah me and uh, my family friend Ben Hubbard did that he he's not much of the athletic type so he just gave me the basketball really and let me shoot. <laughs> but I think it was one of those the Grizzlies were in this in the middle of some slump they had I think they had just. Um, right. So
1: I said they should have put fire. Parker
0: Fleming in there or something like that. I used as a I used the
1: two on Q exhibition as a way of suggesting some roster additions, changes, or something.
0: Maybe, yeah. I just know that it was a very injury mirage time, and the Grizzlies were slumping a little bit. So I think I was just as a nice little lead-in, but uh, nonetheless, it was very cool honor. I I posted on Twitter uh, for our GBB live poll that I've been reading Jeff's work ever since I was about like seven years old when I started watching basketball. So it's really cool just how life just uh, comes around full circle, you know?
1: Well, it's funny because in the end, I got into this business because when I was in Buffalo, I was growing up in Buffalo and there was a columnist named Larry Felser and I would read Larry Felser every morning and you sort of don't think you're going to grow up to be Larry Felser or, you know, you certainly don't think you're going to be grow up to be someone who, who someone has been reading since they were seven, who is now a full grown adult. You know, it does make you begin to feel a little bit ancient, but it's one of the fun things of having had this job is that there is. This really strong sense of place in Memphis, and people cared about the paper, the commercial appeal back when it was the, you know, the big legacy paper, and um, you know, and you even see it now. Like as soon as you join this community, whether you, I look at the at, at Daniel Lerner and Drew Hill at the Daily Memphian, and, and you know, they're both in their twenties, young twenties, but as soon as you join the media community here, you're part of a larger community, and and Memphis has a real relationship with the people who write and talk about uh, the sports teams they love. And it's one of been one of the real pleasures of, of having this job for so long.
0: Absolutely, for sure. It's just a very unique community because, I mean, the media, um, I've gotten to connect with people that I've been following for a very long time. And even like names that you mentioned, like Drew Hill, who have kind of joined in the Memphis media ranks, but also to the organization does – a fairly good job of fostering a good relationship with the media, whether it's the players or coaches or PR, they, it's just a, a very fun experience. I, I always kind of just like calling it like my night job. It makes my the night job very fun. But uh, one of the columns that you uh, wrote this week was about your uh, experience dealing with the COVID over the past two weeks. And it was a very good column. And I know I mentioned this to you, Uh, prior to the show is it's a very anxious time. I I dealt with it and my family dealt with it over the past several weeks. And it's just a very stressful time. And just, you know, with your experience dealing with COVID and all the postponements going on with the Memphis Grizzlies right now, does having it change your perception of the season a little bit?
1: Oh, I don't know that Having it changes a a, a little bit. My it it doesn't really even change my perception of COVID. I learned some things about because I had it that I didn't know before. Um, I learned how unbelievably easy it is to get tested. How it's pain free expense-free, no lines, you know, just a breeze. I learned about this thing called the monoclonal antibody infusion, which I got, which really I think helped me. And is one of the reasons that I didn't have a severe case. Um, You know, I I interacted with the medical people and I, even a deeper appreciation for the work that they do. Um, So, but in terms of the, how it intersects with the Grizzlies, I, it, really hasn't changed it at all i think it's a weird time to be a sports fan because sports just matters less you know Mm -hmm. it, it it if you go at the daily memphian we keep track of how many you know we know how many people read things and how many people whatever same thing with the you know and and it used to be that the most read things at the daily memphian every day Generally speaking, were sports stories, whether they were about the Grizzlies, Chris Harrington stuff on the Grizzlies, or or Drews or mine or whatever, whether they was about the Tigers and Penny Hardaway or whatever, that would always be the most consistently the most read stuff, and it's just not anymore, you know. And it's 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 because people are much more apt to read about the vaccination you know, ridiculousness going over at the Pipkin building and how the lines are hours and hours and hours long and people are being turned away. People are thinking much more about vaccine and COVID and politics and all of that. And sports has, I think, to some extent, um, receded in in the importance for people. And so it's been an odd time. And I'm just grateful. I am grateful that we have games at all, and hopefully, as the season progresses, we will have fewer delays. Um, but I'm to the point, like with the Grizzlies, are on this you know ridiculous break right now. I'm not angry about it. I, it's just it. If i if I was going to be about angry about things, I wouldn't waste it on being angry that the Grizzlies haven't been able to play for X amount of time. I would be angry about you know whatever, people dying, or I'd be angry about, uh, you know, people missing being out of school for all all these years, you know, this year or I'd be angry about, or personally I could be angry because I had, you know, a kid graduated from college and a kid graduated from high school and another kid is having a freshman year in college and they're not, not anything like, there's a lot of things you can be wrought up about. And none of them for me really involve the Grizzlies. I'm just grateful that we get to see them at all and that we get to continue to
0: build with this, you know, really young and exciting team. Absolutely, for sure. And That that, it's exactly something that I've discussed on podcasts or in conversations with friends is it's very tough to, you know, generate anger or frustration towards the Memphis Grizzlies or towards the NBA, because if we're being completely honest, there's no handbook of dealing with sports or running a season in a pandemic. We've seen all these different rule changes over the past several weeks with the NBA because, all of us are learning on the fly. And even the NBA, we've seen, we just saw it with the NFL. We just saw it with the MLB. The MLB had somebody celebrating in their world series celebration who had tested positive for COVID like that night or the very next day. So it's just very, it's a very weird time. And, you know, sports aren't everything right now. And I, I've kind of noticed that, you know, with, you know the political climate in today's world, or just the world's climate today in general, with social issues and and um, health issues. It's just a very weird time to not only be a sports fan, to but just cover sports right now. But you know, there's that silver lining that you always uh, you had just said is we're just getting to look forward to a, a nice young up and coming team that's exceeding expectations. I mean, I would have never thought that. If you told me in the summer of 2019 that the Grizzlies would be in the thick of things for a playoff race in year two, of the year rebuild, I would be quite surprised, but here we are. And one of the biggest questions that people have asked, I guess, because we're all bored and need something to talk about with the Grizzlies is what's going to happen with the rotation. And I do want to get to the question of the day. First, thank you for the 52 users that voted on this is, uh, we're we're going to have Justice Winslow and Jaron Jackson Jr. back at some point. The, the silver lining, I guess, with the postponement was you're playing fewer games without Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow. However you want to spin it, that's the silver lining of things. So, Jeff, as Justice Winslow is returning and once he's healthy, what is the ideal use of Justice Winslow? Should it be a starter or a six-man or a reserve?
1: Well, I mean, I think ultimately you invested in him thinking mm-hmm. he could be a starter. And, um, and I think you will, would like to see, first of all, you'd like to see that he exists as a, as an actual live human being and mm-hmm. dressed in a Grizzlies uniform. And I think, um, I think we're getting to a point where this mystery is dis, truly disconcerting. And, you know, in the end, like, um, the way that Zach Kleiman described it was he said that Justice Winslow would play early in the season, but that Jaron Jackson Jr. would be a minute. Mm -hmm. So that suggests that early is earlier than a minute, and a minute is sort of later in the season. But here we are. I don't know when it ceases to be early in the season, I'll be honest. I don't know that it even now really qualifies as early in the season. But I think, I mean, I think the, the, the goal is, is ultimately to see whether he can be your starting small forward. But um, but I, I don't think you have to thrust him in that role instantly. And I, I will tell you, I don't get, so for example, I mean, I've observed from afar as people argue about whether Desmond Bain should start or not start. I, I really am to the point with this team that I don't, particularly care as long as he's getting minutes, right? Why does it particularly matter? I don't think it particularly matters. And so um, I'm not, I haven't been campaigning for Desmond Bain to start. And I, at this point, if, if, if Justice Winslow had been healthy at the start of the season, I imagine they would have started him as the, you know, starting small forward. But Given that he will be picking up the season on the fly, I expect that he will start by coming off the bench. And, um, but like when is he coming back relative to when Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back? I don't think we even know that anymore. We thought it was going to be a justice first and then Jaron Jackson Jr., but we don't really know. And so, you know, so much of this is fitting pieces together, but ultimately, I think the Grizzlies they did what they did and invested what they invested because they
0: want them to be your starting small forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's be real. Justice Winslow is almost everything you've been searching for since the Grizzlies traded away Rudy Gay in 2014. You saw but the Grizzlies been trying this, literally ever he's since they played that. that
1: honestly i think i think a healthy chandler parsons is more oh. of what you're looking for mm. right mm-hmm. because justice winslow isn't a shooter um not a pure shooter that's you know and so but he's a lot of the things you're looking for right i mean he's and i and i think I think in our imagination, because we haven't seen him, he's even more. We just think of the, the, you know, this, we think of what he was supposed to be coming out of college. And we think of the upside. The truth of the matter is, is as an actual player, um, he hasn't been particularly more effective than Kyle Anderson over the course of his career. And, um, but he is a lot of the things he can guard, uh, he can create, um, He can shoot, but he's not a knockdown shooter. Um, And but yeah, and and in the end, he's also only under contract, you know, for this year. So you have to see him because you've got to decide whether you're going to exercise the team option to keep him for whatever. I think it is 13 million bucks heading into next year. So I do think there is some impatience and I think it's justifiable impatience on part of the fan base to see what they have in him
0: yeah for sure because i mean there were a lot of opportunity costs with justice winslow the grizzlies basically punted on free agency last off season because they didn't go after or because they traded for justice winslow and i know like you've had these emergences from that free agent class like a uh, uh, jimmy grant or christian wood or uh, malik beasley players like that so i mean there's obviously frustration with that and i, I did a, a little bit of a deep dive on cleaning the glass uh, analytics tool over what would be the cap space that you can open up if you didn't exercise that team option and you just uh, d- renounced his bird rights and you can, they could open up $25 million in cap space and retool around that, however way they want to. So yeah, you do, you, there is that little bit of frustration because you want to see what he can be because, you know, he's kind of the embodiment of what coach Jenkins is trying to build within this Memphis Grizzlies culture of having multiple playmakers on the floor that could defend multiple positions and get out and run play and pace. And also too, just a good culture guy. We've all, we've already seen that on, on social media with uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr. And Brandon Clark, Uh, when, when he's on the bench with the team, it's looking like he's gelling. I mean, you saw John Moran and, and him uh, taunt DeAndre Jordan after getting dunked on by DeAnthony Melton that melted a lot of hearts of G and G fans, including mine. But it's just going to be very interesting because I know you you mentioned too Kyle Anderson and let's be real Kyle Anderson hasn't done anything to justify not starting either. So well, that's if, absolutely true. Like he's been yeah. Um, it,
1: it, it, I, I agree completely. I mean, Kyle Anderson has been one of the happy surprises. Now, obviously he's played as many minutes as he has because of, you know, who's missing. He's such a jack of all trades. He can, you know, you've had problems at the point guard. You've had issue injury, so he can help you at the point guard. You've had problems at the four. I think he's probably best at the four. Or depth, you know, some of you are missing Jaron Jackson Jr. So what it'll be like, that's an interesting one. What will his role be when when and if this team returns to full health is part of the mystery. And then the other thing is, obviously, is they just they have a lot of wings Um, and, and there's not clear separation with the wings. And so, you know, they don't have a lot of great wings, but they have promising wings or interesting wings or. And so then how you sort that out both over the short and long term seems to me to be one of the it's one of the fun things when you start thinking about the roster who's going to be here and who is not
0: mm-hmm. for sure and i think one of the biggest questions within that right now is that log jam within the backup two guard position because it's a little it's a little weird because right now it looks like coach jing is his favorite is grayson allen and i know joe has kind of written on how he fits Grizzlies basketball in that he's going to shoot a lot of threes, he can put the ball on the floor and facilitate an offense a little bit. And he's he's not a great defender, but he's at least feisty and kind of cares on that end. And then, but you also have Desmond Bain, who is shooting forty nine percent from three, and that's been a sore spot for the Memphis Grizzlies forever. He's actually a guy that can fit into the turn, uh, fit into the plans long term next to John Jaron. And then also too, you have D'Anthony Melton, who they just put in a, a decent little financial investment on, who caught a DNPCD in the MLK game. So when it comes, and that tenth spot's going to come down to that two guard spot. Jeff, you're Taylor Jenkins right now. Who would you prefer to put in at that backup shooting guard role? Well, to me, the interesting
1: thing is is like what's the plan going forward, right? What, what, What is, whatever you think the goals of this season are, and obviously the, they, they want to win as many games as possible. They're not, you know, they're not trying to shape anything around draft picks or anything else. But at the same time, the real goal of this franchise now, it seems to me, has to be sifting through all these pieces and seeing what they have. And to me, the most intriguing piece and putting setting aside Dylan Brooks and what he's going to be for a minute is, um, is Desmond Bain, because you have him, you know, you, you, the Grayson Allen, you're, I think two more years, like you, you, Grayson Allen, his contract is going to force a decision on him before we have to make a decision about, they have to make a decision about, for example, Desmond Bain. I just think contract, I, 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 so I think the most intriguing player there is Desmond Bain. And I don't think it's simply because he's the shiny new toy. I think it's because, as you suggest, he is. Um, he, it, Grayson Allen is sometimes a shooter in theory, but he's not always a shooter in, in in fact. He is a good-looking stroke, and you hope it'll be consistent, but it's not. I think, to me, over the long haul, you're looking at you know, Desmond Bain is as a, it seems to me as more likely to be here five years from now than Grayson Allen, who I think is less likely to be here five years from now. But then the real question is is any of are any of these players, including Dylan Brooks, a starting two, on a really good team? Do you have right now anyone who either is or who you can imagine developing into the starting two, or for that matter, the starting three? What's your answer to that, by the way? Who on this team is go- could be the could turn into the starting two or the starting three on a Western Conference Finals team?
0: When it comes to that question, I think the only player I can really make an argument for is Desmond Bain, and I know I'm like one of the bigger uh, Dylan Brooks advocates on. Uh, Grizzlies Twitter, me and ninety two nines, Connor Dunning. We we like to call it Dylan Brooks Island, but I right. do think he's more of the the uh, six man bucket getter kind of player. And with his extension, he's nice trade fodder because around the league, people see oh he's a six six wing that can defend multiple positions and score at three levels. So I'll, let's see what we can get with for this guy. He's the guy that you can realistically put in. Alongside probably Brandon Clark too, you could put him into a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal trade if the opportunity presents itself. I don't think right now that's the starting two. Or if Justice Winslow isn't healthy, I don't think the starting three guard or three spot. The, is thing, gonna... the
1: only the only person who you can really imagine being the starting three on this in the you know is is Justice Winslow, mm-hmm. and the only person I think. I guess you can imagine Dylan Brooks, but I'm with you. I think you imagine. I think he fits better as a sixth or seventh man, and so, um, and so you're just you know they they have a lot of players who can grow up and become decent role players and rotation players, but they're still looking for really. Two thirds, I mean, uh, two fifths of the of the rotation of the starting lineup, of a of a championship level starting lineup. It seems to me they're, you know, obviously with John Jaron, you have two of them filled, and you can imagine, you can imagine, in Xavier Tillman that they may have someone who they could play alongside Jaron. You can, you know, if you if you if you sort of think optimistically about it i think it's hard to to say that they have either their two or their three long term
0: right i actually do have uh kind of a thought here that it popped to my head when i saw xavier tillman play for the first time and you know like traditionally like your positions go like in height order or whatever but i could see some sort of like kind of similar to that pal gasol the and wright thing going on with uh, Jaron at the four and Tillman at the five. Do you see something like that too?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think, I mean, yeah, and I, you know, whatever. It's easy to get excited, excited about Xavier Tillman in these sort of limited, you know, minutes that we've seen so far, but um, he is you know, he is, he is, he's a big dude in a way that Jaron is not really in the, you know, in he he is a solid dude. And, um, it seems to me, it'll be one of the fun things to see. It's interesting to see all these games that have been postponed. Um, one of the advantages is that there'll be more games played presumably when these, you know, it, it, just in terms of They can win more if they'll be healthier. But it's also we want to to me, I want to see as many games as we can of the roster healthy, because then we get the answers to these questions you're asking about how do these things fit? And one of the things is really interesting is how are Jaron, when he's healthy and Xavier Tillman going to fit together. And I think we will start to get a little bit of a sense of that. If we can ever get them on the floor together this year, you'll have Xavier Tillman who at that point will, you know, he, he's now gotten his feet wet. He's can he can have play reasonable minutes and you'll have Jaron back healthy. And we'll, we'll see what that looks like. I think it looks promising. I, I can imagine it going forward, but that's one of the things that you'll sort of get to start to figure out here is whether those
0: two fit together as well as you and I imagine that they might. Absolutely, for sure. And so we're going to be right back for a quick ad break, and then we will catch you on the other side. All right. So, Jeff, you've been a columnist with uh, the like Commercial Appeal, Daily Memphian, almost since the Grizzlies have been here, correct? <laughs>
1: Oh, since before the Grizzlies were here, I, I came here in '96, and one of the, you know, one of the really momentous sort of things I wrote about during this period was, the the fight to bring the Grizzlies here, which was colossal. And um, so, yeah, I was certain I I was certainly here before they were here. There's no question about that.
0: Great, great. And so, you know, you've you've written a lot over the years. I remember, uh, like I said, when I read your stuff. I I can almost count on a Jeff Collins column every day. What would you say your favorite Grizzlies column was to write in these past 20 years of covering the Memphis Grizzlies?
1: Oh, that's impossible. My absolutely favorite Grizzlies column to write is impossible. Um, There's been a lot like I loved covering Hubie. Um, I probably had a, I don't know. I had a pretty good relationship with Dave Yeh, but I probably like, I, I loved covering Hubie and, and Hubie was grateful for the coverage. And yet I learned an incredible amount. So every day covering Hubie was, was a blast, right? That was fun. Um, I loved covering the, the effort to bring the Grizzlies here. Like literally there was a moment when when the, the county commission was voting on whether to, to fund FedEx Forum. And had they voted it down, the Grizzlies were not going to come. And the sentiment in the city and county, particularly in the county, was to not pay $250 million for an NBA team. I mean, it was wildly unpopular. And one of the county commissioners, as he cast his vote in favor of of FedEx forum building FedEx forum said he made up his mind while reading my column that morning. Well, that's, you know, that's to have an impact on the city is incredibly gratifying. And, um, so there's that kind of thing. I wrote a column when grizz and obviously the, and I mean, get the, the dude in the costume, but they don't like to ever break persona. Right. Um, but I wrote a column about his, his fight with cancer and, um, that was really emotional and um so those are fun i did a column once where I, I wound up for reasons complicated reasons because of something the grizzlies did i ended up having to play christmas carols on my tuba outside uh the pyramid before a grizzlies game because of a column i had written that was kind of hilarious but it's unquiet for all of that the most fun was covering the grizzlies during the height of the core four era, when they changed the way the Memphians think about themselves in the city. Like it was writing about Shane Battier hitting that shot to finally get a playoff win for the Grizzlies and then driving to Houston. Cause his baby was his, was, was being delivered. And so he hits the shot and then he has to get immediately in the car and, and, and drive to Houston. Um, and be with his wife, Heidi, as she's delivering a, her baby. And um, so that was incredible, covering Zebo during those years and Mark during those years and, you know, the the going to the Western Conference Finals. Like, in the end, that was the most fun because you see what sports can do. It picks up the whole city and carries it along with it. And so that was the probably the most fun I've had, was covering those teams and, you know, seeing a whole – seeing everyone do the electric slide outside FedEx forum after one of those nights, like it's just this whole city celebrating with these players. And that to me is the fun of it. And so to be able to chronicle that was probably as much fun as I ever
0: had. Absolutely. And even just being a part of all that, I mean, as when I was growing up, like I grew up on GNG Grizzlies in my middle school and high school years and just being able to go down to games and and really just it was just a fun atmosphere to be a part of. It kind of reminds you of almost like the We Believe Waiters in a way where it just kind of like united the city. And you know, when you're leaving the games in the tunnels, I know you were going down for post-game interviews, but you having the everyone in the in the walkway yelling, let's go, Grizzlies, and Zebo right. and all that. It was just so much fun. And then even I started doing all this like towards the end of the core four and right. like my first uh, post-game question was to Tony Allen. I asked him about uh, the role he played in locking down Andrew Wiggins back when he was a big time scoring threat. He told me it was all Vince, And then he asked me like where, uh, what my name was, where I was from, all that. So that, that was really cool. And just, and then also too, like I've, I know how good of people like the core four guys are and uh, how they do in the community and stuff, and it was just a very special time to be a Memphis, a Memphis sports fan in general, because there was just this aura around the city that really just it almost just made life like better, you know, uh-huh. kind of just like made you forget about everything for two, three hours, and kind of just took you to a fun place, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Maybe, maybe I'd maybe trade it for like a sh- sheen the beat or whatever but that that's besides the point okay. yeah yeah no
1: it's it's been it's been a blast and it's been and now you what you can see is it's amazing how quickly they've gone from you know finally realizing they had to rebuild that team and turning it into uh obviously with with the with you know getting lucky in the lottery helped immensely um but already turning it around and being able to point it back in the upward direction. And you can now imagine that someday there will be a ride that will be as fun as the last ride and could even go further.
0: Absolutely for sure. And that's just a testament to uh, the new front office and the regime that they did. Like, honestly, I never thought that the Grizzlies can turn Mike and Mark at their age into what they did. Granted lottery luck helped, but also it laid paved the way for you to get guys like Brandon Clark, D'Anthony Melton, uh, Grayson Allen, Desmond Payne, Xavier Tillman, among others. And uh, Jeff, I do want to get you out on this. I mean, you've covered the team for about 20 years now. You've gotten to, you know, watch a whole lot of different players play. And, you know, I think the core four is really just kind of the pinnacle for, Uh, Most Grizzlies fans, as far as their favorite players go, John Jaron are inching their way up towards that top spot. Who would you say is the most underappreciated Grizzlies player in your mind in Grizzlies history?
1: Unappreciated in Grizzlies history. Uh, I mean, I guess James Posey, because he was so critical for the year where he was critical um, uh, You know, pow. I think Powell may be the most unappreciated. Powell may be the greatest Grizzly ever. And yet he's just not considered that because he didn't have because he didn't have the stuff around him that would have enabled him to, you know, to get playoff wins. I think that actually, now that I think about it, I think that's the clear answer. Pau Gasol is the least is the is the most unappreciated Grizzly, the least appreciated Grizzly, because he may well be the greatest Grizzly, and um, he's certainly a Hall of Famer, unquestionably a Hall of Famer. Um, but because you know he he wasn't a tough guy, and then he carried that team to three straight playoffs that really. That, had no business getting to three straight playoffs an incredibly gifted player um with a good heart and loved memphis and i don't think i don't think people you know i don't think they put him up along the side of the core four and in some ways he was greater than any of them so um i, I think that's my answer
0: yeah, that, that's a that's a very good answer. I, I remember doing a, a piece during uh, the prime, the prime time of the quarantine where we just needed content to get by. And Paul Gasol, his all star season ranked among the best, really, in franchise history. And, you, and I think the trade demand kind of clouded that a little bit because, you know, the teams never dealt with. An all-star player wanting to get out of town so i don't think none of us really knew how to deal with that and then granted it worked out uh he ended up in a situation where he got to win two rings and really experienced that uh, championship success that he much deserved but also too you got marcus all who was in his got into a situation where he can grow into an all-star nearly pretty much hall of fame caliber center so I think I think I hit the nail on the head there with Pagasol. I really wanted to ask that because I I got into a, I feel like I get into a discussion like monthly about just how underappreciated Rudy Gay is because the Grizzlies have been searching for a big wing that can score at three levels since they traded him. So, uh, but I agree. I am not a big Rudy fan. (laughs) I know he's very polarizing <laughs> for sure. He, he's like, um, he was Dylan Brooks before Dylan Brooks, even though I don't know if Dylan Brooks is as good as Rudy, but same level of polarization uh, per se. But Jeff, I want to thank you very much for coming on to this edition of GBB Live. Do you have anything you want to plug in before you? Uh, before we get off, oh, no, the show.
1: I uh, I'm glad, happy to be on, and uh, no, uh, subscribe to the Daily and No one writes Chris Harrington is as good as there is writing about the Grizzlies, so uh, subscribe to uh, to read Chris uh, among other things. He's he's doing something fun this this week where he's been taking true or false questions on um, on the Grizzlies, your hot takes from Grizzlies history, including. Um, Uh, Who had the great was Mike Connolly's season, the greatest season ever by a Memphis Grizzly. He asked the question, if if the Grizzlies had drafted either Steph or James Harden, would they have won a title um, during that period? That and other true, false questions. So I won't pimp me, but if you want to, if I will pimp Chris Harrington, you should read him at the Daily Memphis.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All y'all should uh, subscribe to the Daily Memphian. I know I do. You know they have great coverage across the board. Um, like he said with the Chris Harrington and his work with the, the uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies and the uniqueness he brings to that. I, I submitted a, a true false thing too. I did mine a little off the wall with the Lance, bringing back Lance Stevenson after that 2016 season. Uh-huh. So I hope he answers that one. But I mean even. Even you have Chris, you have Jeff and the columns that he brings to the Daily Memphian. You have Drew Hill, Danielle with the Tigers, uh, John vardalist covering high school sports. It's just very great coverage. I know it's also something I've turned to a lot, especially uh, with the COVID and the accuracy of in the amount of information that they provide on that so make sure you're subscribing there at the daily memphian and make sure y'all are also reading grizzly bear blues on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on twitter at sp and grizzlies like and subscribe and download to the grizzly bear blues podcast network and make sure you're following the podcast on twitter at gbb live and follow me on twitter at paca underscore flocka and that with that that's it